Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hypnotic Healers. I'm Nicole Mazzucato and as always, I'm here with my co-host and friend, Anthony Gitch, all the way over there. Our usual disclaimer before we get started, neither Anthony nor I are licensed psychologists, psychiatrists or medical professionals or anything of the sort. So don't make any changes or alterations to any treatments or medication that you're on based on the conversation you hear here today. Take what you like and leave the rest. And while you're leaving stuff, leave us a like, a love, a heart, a thumbs up, anything that you choose to leave us, a comment, share us around. You know, sharing is caring and we care. So share. <laughs> Hello, Nicole. Improvisation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad that you do that because you've got it down so perfected. It's just—it's been like two years in the making. I know. You know what? And we are, uh, by the way, I think in the next week or two, um, starting year three. We are. We are. I always remember that we launched on the Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 5th of May, we will be heading into year three. Yeah, I know. And it's 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 been it's been a really incredible journey. It's been an interesting journey. Um, conversations have have helped us both. I mean, I know they helped me change some of the way that I look at the world, some of the way I interact with people, um, mm. the way I interact and treat myself even to some degree, you know, with the um, kahona, huna, puna, hona stuff um, that we learned. Um, <laughs> the haponapono, that's what it is. Um, that, do you know, I use that so often. I really do. I'm so grateful to Donna for, for that because I, I, I use it so so often it's actually become part of my um my morning meditation practice really yeah right on i didn't know that mm. good for you maybe i you know what that might be a good thing for me to add back into a regular sort of thing i forget about it sometimes mm. but you know here's the funny thing when i really need it it comes back right right my subconscious mind is like this is what you need today this is what mm. you, this is how you're going to do self-care today yeah. uh and, and it's really interesting. And so, but one of the things or, or what we were going to talk about today is um, change, strategies about change, why people believe that they're in that mindset that change has to be difficult, right? Mm. And what contributes to that? What are the things in society um, that, that help us to fall towards that line of, because I've had this experience, you know, whatever A may be, that now is going to take me this long in order to um, have a successful anything afterward. And and I have a real challenge with that. Um, it's the topic of the book that I'm working on, you know, The Truth About Change. And And so, yeah, I wanted to talk about that today. Why do you think what are some of the things that you've run into with your clients that suggest or that they suggest to you that says, this is the reason why I have to hold on to this particular thought, feeling, behavior, even mm. though they've come to you to get rid of it? That's so interesting because I, I was recently working with a client who, <laughs> very interestingly enough, came to me um, to reduce alcohol intake. And um, as it stands, I work on a package of three to five sessions, right? So three being the minimum, we're always going to do those three sessions. 
more often than not, the work is done by the third session, but the extra kind of fourth and fifth session are there just in case we've got any like loose ends that we need to tie up or, or anything like that. So it, it affords both of us flexibility and it means we don't need to talk about money again. You know, like it's there, right. it's that's part of the package. Now, I've never had anybody come to me in session four and, you know, say, no, we're done and say, actually, I want a refund right. <laughs> for session five, because that's not the point. I'm not charging per session. I'm charging for, you know, I'm charging, as we say, to apply the system and hopefully get you the result that you want. Right. right. Do the best that we can do to get you as close as possible to the result that you want. Now, it's really interesting because this particular client we were getting like nowhere <laughs> and I, like nowhere. And I was, you know, kind of like, mm. and then there was a part of me that was thinking, I have a feeling that she's waiting for us to get to the fifth session because she wants, she's, she wants to get her money's worth. Right. And it was so interesting because we were in session five the other day and she said, she said to me flat out, I've got a feeling we haven't made the progress because I, I was waiting to get to the final session. And I have to tell you, I said to her, I'm so grateful for you to admit that because that was pure, pure honesty and, and yeah. transparency. And yeah. that it's so, I, it was almost unusual for somebody to come out and tell you the truth like that. Oh, and yeah. I was, I was, yeah, I was really grateful to her and, and really kind of, you know, celebrated that in her, just like, well done you, you know, like, I really appreciate you bringing that to the table. And actually I had exactly the same, I was feeling the same thing. So I'm really glad that you've, you've brought that out. Well, yeah, it validates that you were going, okay, but this is, this, this is, this is what I believe is going on. Yeah. Right? And then to have somebody who's courageous enough yeah. to, to say, this is me being who I authentically am. And this is, this is, this is the experience, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and that is something to be grateful for because that's not something that we get very often from our clients, right? We don't get, po we don't get negative feedback. We get positive feedback, even when they're not completely satisfied mm -hmm. because of course they want they don't, they, 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 yeah, it, it's interesting how people do that. Um, you know, in those cases, it's like, you know, if you, if you, if you do have something nice to say, that's great. But if you've got something on the other side to say, you need to let me know that as well. Right. I mean, yeah. how do you yeah. change if you don't know what's going on? Right. Right. And I, I so appreciated that in, in her, um, not because it validated what I, what I had been thinking, but just because she, like you say, she was courageous enough to, to say it out loud. Um, and it's so interesting. I love Simon Sinek. I I'm, I'm sure you've heard of him. Have you heard of him, Simon Sinek? I think so. Oh, he's like, anyway, I love <laughs> him. I love his work. I I've been watching some more of his talks recently he very much talks about leadership and, and being a good, you know, being a good yeah, leader, okay, okay, what it takes yeah. to be a good leader. And in one of his talks that I was listening to recently, and I talk about this a lot, you know, the difference between comfortable and uncomfortable. And he's saying, you know, we're so afraid of uncomfortable conversations, right? Whether that's in relationships or in the workplace or whatever inter kind of interaction that is, we're so afraid of these uncomfortable conversations. And we do everything to avoid these uncomfortable conversations. Whereas really, you know, if you can just be upfront 
and straight about it. And he and he was saying in one of the talks I was listening to today, which this is not the first time I've heard this kind of thing. He said, when I want to kind of praise somebody or I've got something good to tell them, he said, I'll bring all the emotion with it. He said, but I've learned that when it's an uncomfortable conversation, I need to give somebody negative feedback or something like that. You have to detach the emotion from it, right? Because otherwise you're setting the emotional scene for somebody that you're going to deliver something that maybe they're not going to like. Right. But at the end of the day, when you approach somebody and say, look, I've got something to tell you. You might not like it. It might be a bit uncomfortable, but here it is. People appreciate that much more than you kind of flittering around the subject and bullshitting them for five minutes before you get to the actual point. Well, you know, and that you, this comes right to what I spoke about on one of my insights with Anthony uh, segments on YouTube the other day. And that's asking for permission rather than asking for per- forgiveness, right? Because mm. What that leads to is what you're talking about. When people are afraid to come up and just say, this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I, whatever it may be. And so instead is what they do, because they're afraid of that uncomfortable conversation, they go out and they do what they think isn't the appropriate thing because it's gonna be just as uncomfortable to be chastised or to have to ask for permit or to, to ask for forgiveness as it is as uncomfortable to ask for permission, right? And mm-hmm. so they do the easy thing. And the easy mm-hmm. thing is avoid the feeling of uncomfortable right now and just deal with the uncomfortable at the end, right? Rather right. than if you just deal with the uncomfortable goal, you might find out that it's not so uncomfortable and that you're going to get your needs met um, more right. easily. And you're going to create a system of trust between you sure. and the person rather than, you know, denigrating it or, or yeah. degrading it rather, denigrating it, degrading it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think, you know, maybe we've gone off topic well, we have, a little that's bit. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so in terms of why people might not make change, I mean, the example that I just gave is, is, is a very much a one-off example. Like I say, I've not had that before. And I, at the, and I, I just had this feeling from the beginning that it was going to be like that as well. You know, like, you know, when you get the feeling, there was a voice inside of me telling me that something, something around like that was going to be happening here. So I already knew from the off. Um, (laughs) That is funny that you say that I am right now working with someone. I'm not going to mention on what is going on with them or anything, but and I, right from the very beginning, I was like, I, I this is, this is a, they, they, somebody I was willing to work with, right? But also somebody that in the back of my mind, there was that little voice that going, this is going to be a little bit more, this is going to take a little bit more hand-holding than you generally do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you do, you do know, right? We do know. And you develop, the more you work with people in this way, the more you develop your intuition. You, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think intuition comes comes from experience as well you know it's it's a it's a combination of experience and gut feeling for me that's you know what intuition is is about so there's I think there can be an argument that if we approach the client from the perspective of oh this is going to be difficult Uh, you know their their subconscious can already tap into us feeling that way as the as the practitioner and and they're latching onto that that kind of uh, message. Right. And right? when we do that, when we approach it that way, that's because we've already bought into their story. Right. Yeah. 
For sure, for sure. We've already, hopped, been, on, we've already yeah. hopped on a train that ain't our that is not going the direction we want to go. <laughs> right, right. And 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 that's part of the skill of 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 being a hypnotist, a therapist, a, a counselor, a guide, a coach, whatever you whatever you are, you know, however you support and guide people, part of the skill set is is being able to detach detach from I'm trying to get this wording right, but detach from the story, detach from from what's sitting in front of you. Um, you know, I, I remember Scott well, Johnson. We're supposed I, to be the ultimate observer, right? That's who we are. Right. Our job is to be the ultimate observer and then be able to provide the ultimate feedback position is what we are, right? We're right. supposed to provide healthy kind of feedback and, and explain nuances and go up. Ah, but maybe we didn't see it from here, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what our job is. We're, we're supposed to direct the light into the shadowy parts of the scenes kind of thing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I, so I remember Scott Jansen saying, um, and again, if I misquote him, <laughs> sorry, but it was something along these lines. It was along the lines of, I don't care about your problem, but I do care about you. Right. You know, so like I'm detaching from the problem that you're presenting and I'm not going to buy into that. Right. But you, I do care about. I care about you being well, being happy, being successful. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that I think that can be one aspect of it. Right. And I think we've we've discussed this in our own private conversations or conversations with Tim before around approaching a client from a, oh, shit, this is going to be hard work. Oh yeah. We've had that conversation a lot, even with people that we've mentored, right? Yeah. Because of the fact that it it, is especially really um, very common with newbies. Um, And it's very common with people who get into the profession because they are they want to help people, but when they get into it, they think they need to own the client's problem in order to understand the client's problem. When mm-hmm. in fact, when we do that, we're jumping into the hole with them. Um, right. And, and now we're, we're, we're left trying to not only push them out of the hole, but then who the fuck is going to get us out of there, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting, the balancing act, uh, the responsibility. It's not mm-hmm. a balancing act. It's, it's awareness and responsibility of how can we best help them? How can we help them understand that this change is possible? Yeah. Yeah. And another, another aspect of this is how invested are they really in, yeah. in making the change? And I think we've definitely talked about this. And this is such a common one, for example, with smoking. Somebody comes to you for smoking cessation and you're like, you know, what's your driver here? What's your motivation? Well, you know, my partner sent me. Well, okay, come back in 10 years time when you can't yeah. breathe anymore and then we'll talk again. Right. But, you know, it has to be an intrinsic motivation. It can't come from outside. It can't come from somebody pushing you into something because your subconscious won't buy into it. There's, you know, you're, you're, subcon- you're saying outright, I don't want this. I'm not interested. I'm not that invested in it. I'm just kind of meh, just along for the ride. If you're just meh, just along for the ride, I'm not the right person well, for you. Yeah. And I mean, then that's, that's one of those, that's, that's the, a reason why we can't change when I talk about in the book, that's environment, right? Mm. Because the environment, the environment that we're in suggests that, um, 
that we can't do it, that we don't need to do it, that, mm. you know, and so it, it builds this, this idea that we are stuck where we are. And if we begin to change, then the, 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 the people around us are required to also begin to change. And when that, when they recognize what we're doing, they like us to be who we used to be because that's who they're used to. And if we begin to change, that forces them to begin to relate with us differently, which they may not be liking, right? And then they will force us, they will manipulate, push us back into those old behaviors that they're used to us having, because that's where they're comfortable with us being. Right. No, <laughs> so the uh, yeah. environment can help us believe that change can be difficult. Um, sure. You know, it's, it's, we, we get these ideas that it's, it's going to be, and it, and, and it's not that it's, it's, what do they say in the recovery? It's, it's easy, but it's, 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 it's easy, but it's hard or whatever, you know, whatever the saying is, um, mm. you know, cause it is, it's really easy to make changes, but it's really freaking difficult to stick through it. Um, sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, and, and that's something we have to just face and deal with. Yeah, yeah. And look, as we as we go through our own journeys of personal growth, personal development, and as you as you say, we we change, it can be difficult for relationships around us, for people around us. Like you say, some people just want to keep you where you are because it's more comfortable for them, because that's how they know you, because that's how your relationships works with them. And they're not ready to change. They're not ready for for a change like that. So it may be that sometimes you need a, you need to move away from people. You need to kind of create a bit of distance while you go through your growth and allow them some space to be able to accept that growth mm-hmm. or not. It may be that they never do. And I, that's okay too. Reasons be, in her lifetime. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Reasons season of a lifetime. <laughs> Another, and, and, and to, while we're talking about kind of environment and conditioning, we have very much, I think, often been conditioned into this idea that things are difficult to change. So, for example, we've been conditioned for decades that smoking is difficult to give up, right? It's, it's, it's a challenge to stop smoking by tobacco companies, by um, mostly by tobacco companies, right? That yes. smoking is like the hard, hardest thing ever to give up and it's going to be difficult. You're going to put on weight. So we've, we've been kind of conditioned with all of these thought process. You're going to put on weight and this, that, and the other and blah, blah, blah. And so people have been conditioned to believe that it's really difficult to give up smoking. The same way that we've been conditioned to believe, and I, I have nothing against um, psychotherapists or, or counselors or anything like that. Everything has its place, but we've yep. often been conditioned to believe that you need to be in therapy for years and years and years on end to get a change in your life. Correct. I mean, it even says, in fact, I'm going to read the, the exact thing here. Um, sorry about the noise of the page. Um, oh, that's about resiliency. Sorry. I was doing my, my research. Um, oh, here's where it is. Um, it says it, it was, it was talking about, um, changing and it, and it's, uh, there are lasting negative effects to experiencing adverse childhood experiences, which make it incredibly challenging 
for adults to change. ACE is what it's called, the adverse childhood experience. And when you have an adverse childhood experience, which can be anything from mom and dad spanking you to, you know, whatever it may be, they're saying that that, those, those experiences are the most difficult to change and incredibly challenging. They tell a- aces people this. Are us- yeah, but aces aces are usually just just um, are usually kind of a, a much higher level of trauma. So usually you're talking about kind of um, sexual abuse or physical abuse, violent being brought up in a violent home, things like that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and and it's but here's the deal: in the world that we live in. Does that have to hold true? What does what have to hold true? Because you have had this this regular exposure to something that it is going to make it that much more difficult for you to get over. I think is what the better way to put that is that the problem is not that it takes you years to overcome the trauma. It takes years to learn what is the appropriate response when I become triggered. Right. I think that that's more to the point. It's not that it takes forever to get over it, to accept it, to move on from it, but to learn how to recognize when it's creating an effect in your world today and then what to do with that in a positive way to move forward. Yeah. 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 I, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like this is a, a much bigger topic that is out, out, <laughs> of, out of my lane. Out of our scope um, of practice completely yeah, when absolutely. it comes to childhood trauma apps. I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I think veering into the lane of ACEs is, is, is definitely outside of my lane. Well, it's um, outside of mine. It's just something that I found interesting when yeah. I was doing my research, right? Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you you know me. I, I'm very much stay in your lane, buddy. Um, yeah. But I yeah, thought yeah. it was interesting research, right? Mm, yeah. A, uh, a great book around, well, one of the one of the great books that I love is Bessel van der Kolk's um, The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, that's a great book. I've got that book. Yeah, yeah. Great book. Highly recommended to to go and read it. Um, some really, yeah, fascinating, fascinating. It's a hard read as well. There's some really kind of hard bits to digest in there. Yeah. Um, so brace yourself if you are going to read it, but yeah. But it's well, well, well worth, worth it. Well mm. worth it. Cause it's going to help you. And I, I help me to understand, um, emotional resonancy a little bit better. Um, mm. you know, how, how the way that, the way that I explain it and use that kind of those terminologies, but it's, um, you know, it is interesting because even when we think about changing and, and, and if somebody comes up to us and suggests that we need to make a change about something, what's the first thing that we always do, even when we're confronted with the truth about something? Denial. Mm. It's a well, very that's because, first thing that we go to. Right. Because we are programmed to go with what's familiar, right? Yeah. And I have to credit Marissa Peer for this because she she's, you know, she she's talks about it all the time. We need to really, what we need to do is make what's familiar, unfamiliar and make what's unfamiliar, familiar, right? It's not that difficult. It, you know, it, it's easy. Essentially I'm, I'm using easy in inverted commas, but it, it is easy to do to switch that flip. Oh gosh, to flip that switch and make what's, what's familiar, unfamiliar and vice versa, what's unfamiliar, familiar. So that could be 
and now I smoke, you know, I have this smoking habit, which is familiar to me, the unfamiliar being I'm, I'm a non-smoker or I, I'm an ex-smoker or I used to smoke, whatever that is. And just flipping that around so that your mind's like, oh, okay, no, that's familiar to me now. I'm a non-smoker. I used to smoke. We can make changes. That's right. part of that's part of our evolutionary programming. You know, yeah. it's it's really interesting that we're having this conversation because I recently finished a book called um, "The Clan of the Cave Bear." Not a new book; it's a novel. Right, um, and it's I've never heard of <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's quite. But it's just recently recently come to me, um, and I read it really quickly. And it's talking about the the Neanderthals how. The different structure, again, I don't know how much truth there is in this, but they were very kind of their species came to an end in part because they were stuck in a in a in an ever evolutionary process where they didn't adapt well to certain changes. Right. They they kind of stuck with where they were at culturally and you know, in in all sorts of different ways. It was like they couldn't deal with, they couldn't cope with changes too well. And then comes along the next generation of human that's more similar, more similar to us. And our evolutionary, I suppose, Kickstarter was that we became, we were much more easily adaptable to change because of the way that our brains were shaped and having a bigger prefrontal cortex and and all of the different kind of things that that were afforded to us as a as a species, and that's part of our evolutionary kind of ability to adapt to change. So, absolutely, we can change. We just prefer what's familiar, even if it's painful. Yep. It's more comfortable potentially than going through the change of oh, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know how that's going to show up in my life or how that's going to affect everything in my life. So actually maybe it's just a bit more comfortable for me to stay in my misery or in this shit pit. Right. Then, well and also the fact that well this feeds my this this makes me feel better right now. Mm. I can't recognize that if I don't do this right now that in the future it's going to pay off. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're stuck in that moment of, I want whatever it is right now. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I, I need to feel good now in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and that gets back to that, you know, one of my favorite insights that we use with clients all the time in control is the baby's dummy, right? Mm -hmm. you know, I want it and I want it now, God damn it. And Americans, boy, I'll tell you, I know, and it's, you know, and, and I can only say this from an American point of view, but we are a spoiled absolute bunch of, I want it right now. And if I don't get it right now, I'm going to throw a big freaking fit. And the bigger the, the, the scream I am, then the, the more quickly I'm going to get my needs met, right? Because that's how people in this country get their needs met. If I throw a big fit and I make a scene, they're going to let me off there. Mm. You know, I'm going to be, you know, um, it's interesting how we condition people then to start to behave that way in order to get their needs met. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes the norm of society. And we wonder why we treat people the way that we treat people. Right. Right. And, and another aspect that we talk about a lot is secondary gain. Right. What am I gaining from having this problem? Now, this is quite a difficult question for clients. And, and oftentimes they really struggle to understand the concept. But I'm struggling. You know, I'm in pain or whatever this is. How can I be gaining something from this? Well, you're always gaining something from a particular situation. The easiest example of this is if you're sick, 
people give you attention, a certain type of attention, people, whoever it is, is, you know, whether it's, whether you're lonely in your life, you get sick, you suddenly, you know, you're getting attention from nurses and doctors and and whoever it is, you know, that's the secondary gain. You're getting the attention, the care, the love that maybe you haven't had in your life until now. So there's always a secondary gain involved. What are you gaining from having the problem and how can you get that need met, need met in a different way? How can you find something else that's going to meet that for you? So if you are lonely in your life, what else can you do? What can you do differently that's going to bring you company, love, comfort? Right. What? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's we just kind of talked a little bit about that earlier. You and I did on a a personal basis, right? Just because Mm -hmm. Nicole called me out on not being very balanced sometimes because I work too much, Um, (laughs) which is one of the reasons why I absolutely adore her um, and why we all need friends like that, right? Um, Because yeah, sometimes we do. We get lost in our shit. We get lost in just doing what it is that we do. And like you said, it's that comfort level. I'm comfortable being in that constant mode of I need to work, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm comfortable in that mode because I've been so conditioned to be in that mode as a self-employed person. But now Mm -hmm. I need to break out of that because it's not creating the results that I want it to create in my personal life. Yeah. You know, Um, and these are things that we need to recognize and do for ourselves sometimes. And, and I think it's okay that I acknowledge that, that I've got these challenges, right? I know there's people out there in our profession that say, don't acknowledge when you're running into a challenge because then people aren't going to trust that you can help them. No, people are going to trust that I can help them because I've been through it before. And because I understand what it is that they're experiencing and I have seen the light and I followed the, the end of the tunnel and I've seen my way out. Right. Mm. Um, I think that that's important for people to see and do. It's just I like think another, another important piece here that's coming to mind as you're saying that is, you know, if you're working, if you're working with a client, so you're working with a client and you feel stuck and you're like, Oh, I'm not really sure what to do with this, or I'm not really sure where to go here. You will only gain your client's respect and trust if you say to them, listen, I need to take this to supervision. Yeah. Right. I need to actually just kind of go and talk to a mentor or, or someone that can give me, you know, give me a different perspective and then let's come back next week and, and, and take it from there. Don't be afraid to do that. We're only, we're all human, right? And and sometimes, you know, something may seem a bit bigger to you, or it may be that you've bought into the story, but you can't quite see that you've bought into the story or whatever it is. So don't be afraid to sort of say to a client, okay, cool. This is, this is what's happening. I'm going to take this to supervision. Let's come back next week and pick right. it up. Right. And, 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 and again, that's really important that you brought that up. We all need to have someone that we can take things like you, you call it supervision, mentoring, it doesn't matter. We all need to have that person or those mm. people who we can go to, who have a different set of eyes, so to speak, that we can rely on and say, listen, I don't quite know what's going on with this, right? I mean, you and I have done that before with certain clients where we've run into challenges or it's like, you know, I'm not kind of, we're not making the headway that we were looking at making here. Where is it in my perspective that I'm explaining things that I might have lost my path, right? Mm. Um, and usually between you and I, we've both been able to go, oh, well, it's been right here. 
because when I share it with you, you can see it instantly and vice versa, because that's just the nature of the game. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, great conversation. Thanks, my friend. Yeah, thank you. It's been great and we hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you share us around, leave us a review, like, love, all of those, you know, shiny, twinkly things. And um, (laughs) we'll be back in a week. Yay. Bye, Nicole. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.